Hi everyone, welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we aim to explore the science of crime and the practical application of the science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Take advantage of the advanced video capabilities offered by Bosch to help reduce your shrink risk. Integrate video recordings with point-of-sale data for visual verification of transactions and exception reporting. Use video analytics for immediate notification of important AP-related events, and leverage analytics metadata for fast forensic searches for evidence and to improve merchandising and operations. Learn more about extending your video system beyond simple surveillance in Zones 1-4 through of LPRC's Zones of Influence by visiting Bosch online at BoschSecurity.com. So welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast, another in our uh, series of COVID-19 and special event um, series. And uh, joined by my co-host, Tony D'Onofrio, Tom Meehan, and our special guest today, we've got Robert Locke uh, from JCI, or Johnson Controls International. Um, So what we'll do is go through, and um, I'll talk just a few minutes here about uh, LPRC, what we're doing to support the the community. Um, A lot going on, a lot, a lot, um, in addition to the, the... pandemic that uh, is all over the place, many states and localities. You'll hear more about this from Tony uh, coming up, of course, in stage one, two, or even some in stage three, uh, different localities around the United States and elsewhere around the world. Um, And we'll get a look at what's going on. Infection rates on average, um, because testing is so dramatically up uh, from our information, remain somewhat stable. Um, you know, slightly up in some areas, which would be expected. There's more testing, and of course, there's more contact going on. Um, but the but businesses and uh, people starting to orient with each other seems to be going up. Um, but we'll hear more about those macro dynamics and how that's playing out um, on the uh, the looting um, and rioting issue that that have uh, where there's been some hijacking, of course, across the United States um, of what started out in some places continue to be very peaceful uh, demonstrations or protests um, are still a huge challenge for the retailers um, looking for any sentinel events that might come up um, over the next days, weeks, and months. Another um, event uh, or um, a significant milestone or something like that is what uh, most of the retailers are telling us that they're looking out for to make sure that people are safe and secure that are working or shopping in their environments and that they're able to remain viable as businesses in the first place and to take care of their people, their employees and their um, loved ones uh, as far as being a place of employment and income. So um, we're continue to put out more uh, on our two landing pages, the COVID-19 landing page at lpresearch.org as well as the um, looting and riot landing page at lpresearch.org. Um, we're, we're doing a lot. We're just updating on crime prevention, what the means and with the uh, situational crime prevention model, how we leverage that to our advantage research that's been done. Again, I'd like to point everybody to the podcast episode we just recently recorded um, with uh, UNLV faculty that are working uh, on crowd violence and trying to understand the dynamics of individuals, clumps of individuals, and then the overall group and what the implications are to to preparing for handling and recovering um, from uh, riots and looting and other uh, burning and other destruction. Um, so uh, uh, today, coming out today, we've got the eConnect this week um, on Tuesday, June 16th, 2020. Um, we put that out every week. That's available to anybody in the industry uh, or in 
uh, uh, practitioners, researchers, and law enforcement alike. Um, LPRC Innovate, we just had another uh, advisory panel call. Um, we welcome to our primary lineup of um, sponsors. We've got Sensormatic um, and part of JCI, Johnson Controls International. Um, we've got, of course, NEDAP. Uh, we've got Axis. We've got um, now, in addition to uh, Malone, uh, a strong AI company, and then now uh, Everseen, a strong AI company. And then finally, NVIDIA has come in um, as well with support, uh, particularly on the technology side, uh, all with a focus on AI. Um, University of Florida, as we talked about before, um, working with NVIDIA to be positioned as what they're calling uh, AIU, uh, Artificial Intelligence University, particularly now with uh, the latest non-available, most high-tech and powerful um, GPU package in the world as well, supercomputing support, multi, multi, multi-million dollar um, donation. Uh, and then with University of Florida adding, in addition to the 500 new faculty that have been coming on board, um, now bringing on an additional 100 faculty that have AI training and expertise to salt across campus so that all departments and, uh, and colleges will have uh, AI, uh, well, both compute power as well as training and education special projects and teaching and things like that. So at LPRC as an outside entity, um, with me being a go-between between the two, uh, I think we're now very, very well positioned. Um, our team at University of Florida just got, heard we got two grants we're very excited about, one from the National Science Foundation, NSF, which to, to in, in our field in academia is a gold or platinum standard um, around leveraging AI and smart community and connections to smart places. Um, and then our team, myself, and um, two, some engineering faculty just got a, um, a grant from the University of Florida Informatics Institute, um, which is now going to be hosting the AI initiative at UF and working strongly with NVIDIA. Uh, we're called HazardNet, and we're working on leveraging existing security systems to train and, and use them to inference uh, hazardous, harmful behavior in interior spaces. So stay tuned on that. Very exciting. Impact 2020 coming up. We're we're we've got 12 sessions. Uh, that those sessions are underway as far as the development. Um, Kevin Tran, producer of Crime Science Podcast, but also uh, producer at Impact, is working away on the platform. Um, we'll be working with the uh, Global um, Security Summit coming up as well as uh, co-sponsors and work on that working on that project, but also learning, of course. Uh, good, strong lessons learned on uh, virtual conferences. Strategy app component, still uh, on track and planning that that will be in person at the University of Florida. Um, and this is for the number ones and twos and APLP. Uh, very, very thrilled about the content lineup, who we've got to come in to, uh, which will be announced later to be our facilitator um, and uh, much going on there. So um, we're always here at uh, LPRC and of course the team at the University of Florida to support all of you out there that are fighting the good fight to safeguard vulnerable people, to protect uh, people and their places and assets. Um, so with no further ado, let me go over to uh, Tom Meehan. Uh, Tom, if you wanted to go ahead and let us know what is going on, what do we need to know? Thanks, Reed. Uh, just have a couple quick updates, but they're interesting and, and a little bit different than what we've seen. Is One is starting to get reports and um, they're at this point, really in specific to certain cities in the United States where perpetrators are 
phoning stores. Uh, and this is not an, a new scam in one sense, but adding the kind of mix of the current events to it that's making it. Uh, they're phoning stores and representing themselves as corporate employees to gather information about the store. And it, what makes this really interesting, the reports are that they're kind of presenting it as a, you know, a reopened call to ask questions about damage done related to protests and uh, reopen to COVID and asking questions of whether video systems are working, alarm systems, how many guards are in the store, and then planning um, to uh, basically go back to these stores and loot later on. This was actually first discovered on the dark web as actually an instruction of questions to ask retailers and actually gave specifics on what markets would be better to work in where law enforcement wasn't um, responding. So this is a, a reminder of that I, I know from time to time we talk about social engineering and people calling, representing themselves as workers. But again, this is someone taking advantage of both COVID-19 and some of the civil disturbance. Um, primar uh, primarily, uh, it was focused on the Baltimore and Atlanta market. Uh, but the assumption is when something like this happens, it generally spreads. Uh, there were some reports of it through local law enforcement. I don't see anything on any of the federal responses yet, but there is a dark web forum that actually is talking about what to ask, what to do, how to really run through. Additionally, that forum also talks about what types of trucks you can rent um, and where you can get third-party rentals for looting. So it actually gives you instruction on where's the best place to rent a third-party rental in markets and pay with cash. Um, so this just goes to, to really talk about when we talk about open source intelligence and gathering that the bad guys are doing what we're doing. You know, we're talking about all the trends. The bad guys are talking about the trends as well, uh, which leads me to the second piece of which is similar in nature is there have been reports of people entering stores and posing as technicians to do repairs uh, and actually stealing while they're in the stores. This has been more widely scaled reported um, in more markets. While I don't think the groups are, are related together, I don't see any chatter on social media about it. There are people going in saying they're here to fix something related to uh, either a reopen or this. They, they have their official shirt on and they're helping themselves to some goods when they run out. And in these times, uh, some of the stores that are just reopening, everybody's wearing masks. So you think about all of the of the challenges you have with identifying people, ID cards, someone has a mask on, no one's telling them to take the mask off. You don't actually know who the person is. Um, so just a reminder to, to go out to your stores teams and have the conversation with service and everybody has different you know, procedures. This is also, we are also seeing similar activity in the financial sector and banks because a lot of banks are starting to reopen. Um, and so this is just a, a good indicator of the reminder of social engineering or con artists are still here today and they're taking old tricks that are, you know, literally hundreds of year old and adding the COVID and the civil disturbance piece on it. The other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the use of social media monitoring. And I know I talk about open source intelligence gathering. Well, um, some of the more organized groups, depending on uh, really, I'm hearing this from all of them are starting to do countermeasures. So they're creating accounts and putting fictitious information out on social media to kind of make it more difficult for people to identify where things are going. So they're actually posting um, comments about don't, you know, don't go here, we're going to go here. And, and then internally on a private channel, 
their positioning in other locations. They've actually had some success in the DC area where they're making an actual kind of advertise attempt in the public, but then privately going somewhere else and running. So uh, I know we always talk about the importance of betting information and the only information that's available, but it, it's just a good reminder that you can't rely on one source and that you have to run through. And the DC market actually put a Facebook page up, got attendees, did all these things. And then at the same time, in a private forum, um, they went in and said, we're doing this to get all law enforcement set up and barricades set up and we're going to go here instead. Um, so just a, just a reminder to, to really look at the validation point. Um, I know it, it, it's a very fluid situation and all these things are changing, but uh, those, are, those are what I have today. I think uh, I'm over to Tony now. Thank you very much, Tom. So it's my pleasure today to introduce my good friend, Robert Locke. I'm going to give you a brief bio and then let him catch you up in terms of some of his thoughts and ideas for retail. So Robert started his career with IBM at retailers uh, such as Safeway and Gap. He's been the CEO of five different start startups. Robert joined Johnson Controls, uh, which owned Sensormatic when they acquired View, which is a leader in the RFID retail space. He's currently Senior Vice President of Corporate Development, responsible for venture capital. He's also the executive sponsor at Google and Microsoft. And he is an innovator from knowing him for so many years. He holds six patents and has eight others pending. And finally, Robert is actually on the board of the advisors for the Loss Prevention Resource Council. So let's hear a little bit more from Robert. Thank you, Tony. Well, uh, this year is one that we're going to be telling our grandchildren about. The killing of George Floyd has protesters in the streets all over the world demanding change. The coronavirus pandemic has killed over 110,000 people in the U.S. already and has taken over 400,000 lives worldwide. The shelter-in-place orders have shut down retail stores around the world, and the industry has also been harder hit economically than any other industry with store associates on the front lines at great personal risk, making sure that customers have food and their needs met. On, uh, on top of all this, retailers need to make sure that stores are safe for employees and customers. We also need to find ways to inspire customer confidence so they feel comfortable coming back to stores that have been closed. These are challenges unlike any we've faced in our careers. However, if we come out of this simply a smaller version of what we were when we entered, we will have missed an opportunity to build a foundation for the future. Retailers have a chance today to seize this moment and the focus it provides to not only meet the challenge to keep employees and customers safe, but to lay the foundation for a future in which your company can deliver solutions which serve customers in ways that we haven't even imagined yet. To do that, however, we need to understand the platforms we'll need to have in place to deploy tomorrow's solutions and make sure they're the same platforms we use to deploy the COVID-19 related solutions we need to put in place today. If we do this, we'll be able to gracefully leverage those same platforms to deliver more efficient store operations, greater customer intimacy, and a different level of customer experience tomorrow. So when you think about where to focus your energy going forward, I believe you should focus on problems that are real game changers. Ask yourself, if we nail this, will it make a meaningful difference for the company? If the answer is no, look for something else that will. 
As Tony indicated, I spent my career going back and forth between big companies and building startups. One thing they have in common in my experience is that success is all about people. Having the right people on your team and having the right partners is essential to making big things happen. I never believed in paying too much attention to logos or the size of the company. My focus has always been on individuals with whom I would work every day. If you're gonna embrace the big, hairy, audacious goals we're talking about as Jim Collins calls them, I've always believed the most important thing I can do is build a great team. Finally, one of my responsibilities at Johns Controls is corporate venture capital. We invest the company's money in startups with strategic relevance to our businesses. I look at hundreds of startups every year and many of them are retail startups. The most compelling retail startups I've seen in recent years are focused on computer vision. I believed two years ago that computer vision, edge computing, and cloud were the technologies which would define the future of retail store operations for the next 10 years. I'm more convinced of that now than ever. I believe there'll be roles for mixed reality and robotics and other emerging technologies, but computer vision is the place I would focus if I had to choose one foundational technology to position a retailer to do amazing things now and for years to come. While we're clearly in a time of crisis, the clarity and focus that crisis brings represents opportunity for change. It's true in the social changes that we can make in our society and in the changes we can make in our businesses that will position our companies to deliver competitive advantage and unique solutions to customers for years to come. I encourage all of you to look at this time and the opportunity it presents from a long-term perspective and find ways to leverage your investments today to position your companies to do great things tomorrow. Reed, uh, Tom, and Tony, thank you for allowing this opportunity to share my thoughts. Uh, Tony, I think you're next up. Yeah, so thank you very much, uh, uh, Robert, for that update. And it actually ties well in terms of the focus that LPRC is putting on Innovate and the new center that has a lot of computer vision and mixed and advanced reality. But let me wrap it up in terms of my portion, in terms of some of the latest data from this week, in terms of what's happening to retail. So this is from Global Data, a really great webinar from this week. At the peak of the lockdown, 263,250 stores closed, or roughly 62% of all stores were closed. Some good news, uh, the trends are, and in fact, I'll end on some really good news from today. The trends are that consumer sentiment is improving. It was really severely negative and negative 35.7 in April. It improved in May and it continues to improve. Uh, there's greater confidence to go into stores. So in early May, the confidence was only 18% that consumers wanted to go into stores. By early June, that was already up to 30%. Apparel is actually starting to st stage a mini comeback. And again, I'll give you more data on that in a second, but they are doing it with heavily discounting. So nearly 70% of the items that Apparel is selling right now are discounted versus 20% last year at the same time. And more importantly, discounts are much deeper. So last year, there were an average of 18% in discounting the, their products. This year, running at 44%. Uh, global data projects that retail sales this year will end in uh, negative at 5.9%. Uh, 
Uh, also interesting from their webinar was really the uh, performance of the 35 non-essential retailers. So these are the retailers that were closed from March through May. Last year in that time frame, March to May, they made a profit of $2.48 billion. This year they lost, they had losses of $8.68 billion. Uh, the future really includes a lot more harmonized retail across channels, a lot more implementation of curb, curbside retail, collection from store, store uh, fulfillment um, as strategies, uh, providing stock visibility to consumers, and you're gonna hear a lot more about making an appointment to go shopping. So something that was started during the pandemic, it's gonna become a service uh, going forward. Uh, also interesting from the global data webinar is that the, they are projecting that holiday sales will be down 1.1%. That's an improvement from core site research, which was projecting for the for retail holiday sales to be down 20%. Uh, global data also raised their forecast for online sales. They said that it will be 19, 19.7% uh, this year in 2020 versus the initial projection of 15%, but they also project that it will decline in 2021 back to 17.8% of total U.S. retail sales. And finally, I cannot um, speak about the great data that came out this week on U.S. retail sales from the government. The initial anticipation was they were going to be up for May 7.7, and they ended up being up 18%. It's the biggest uh, increase on record since 1992. And also very interesting to me, apparel had a major spike. They were up 188% and even furniture stores saw a 90% increase. So retail is coming back and the latest May numbers indicate that there was some pent up demand that is now being fulfilled. So that's the update for this week and I'm gonna turn it over to Reed. All right. Thank you, everybody. Tom, Robert, Tony, for your excellent updates. Um, there are some rays of sunshine across the board, um, and uh, we enjoy hearing about it, and we need to know that level of detail um, as well as we all plan and prepare and recover um, and move through that pathway. So um, I appreciate all our listeners for tuning in. We want to make sure that we continue to brief and provide information about what's going on, uh, things that you can work on, that you can learn more about, that you can engage with us at the LPRC. Um, and we've got those resources available at all times. So everybody, please uh, stay safe out there. And on behalf of Tom and Tony and Robert and our producer, Kevin Tran, this is the LPRC signing off from Gainesville, Florida. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the crime science podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the crime science podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council.